Psalm 66. Maybe our first scripture reference. Psalm 66. Here in... So, again, just like we do, we kind of go through at least the highlights of the outline um, uh, from time to time. And this is soteriology, which is the doctrine of salvation. And we dealt with regeneration. And then we dealt with repentance. <clears throat> we dealt with faith. <clears throat> Get it right here in a minute. There we go. Repentance and then faith. There we go. And then after faith, we dealt with, I guess we're, oh, faith was a big one. <laughs> uh, justification was D. Uh, and then E was sanctification. And then F is prayer. All right, and within prayer, which is where we're currently at, uh, we, we, the reason or necessity for prayer, because it is right, because it is commanded, because it is sinful to neglect it, <clears throat> because neglect of it grieves God, because it is a medium through which God bestows blessing, because it is essential to victory over the forces of evil, because of the obligation imposed by Christ's example, because of the emphasis given to it in the early church. All right, and the doctrinal statement we left you with last week was the necessity of prayer is shown by its ethical character, its scriptural obligation, its vital re, uh, relation to all bestowed blessing and victory, and its emphasis in the life of Christ and the early church. All right, so that was the necessity of prayer. I think it was the uh, number one, the reason or necessity for prayer. And number two, the qualifications for prayer. The qualifications for prayer. Again, bless you. One of the um, things when we've just preached on prayer, when we've prayed, <laughs> when we've just mentioned prayer along the ways, um, especially when it was back at faith, faith and prayer are come hand in hand. Uh, when we mentioned even in our reference the other night uh, on praying for wisdom, there in the book of James, uh, I'll just turn back there again. Um, you know how that he he mentioned, if any of you lack wisdom, James one five. If any of you lack wisdom, <clears throat> let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so 
when we ask, that's, that's our prayer, and ask with faith, nothing wavering. And I, I was reminded of that tonight when I was praying, that when we pray, not only having faith that he hears us, faith, faith that he can answer us, as far as the ability, his ability to answer, but faith that he will. And there's, the, there's I think, the, the biggest problem that we, uh, we have. Not commanding God, like I've mentioned in the past, like um, some of the charismatic, uh, like that one radio station, he would get on, he would take prayer requests, uh, radio station east of, east of Madisonville, and he had a, a, I don't know if it was a nightly or a weekly, but he would get on there and I would hear him, when I was out of WSOF radio's range, and he'd get on there and say, Father, right now I command you. And I'm like, wait a minute. You can't command God. There's one thing to, to believe God for things, and there's another thing to command God. You don't do that. And so I thought, that's a dangerous place to be, young man. So anyway, so anyway, so the qualifications for prayer and the way that Mr. Bancroft does in his outline, he deals with things negatively. So oftentimes when it says negatively considered, this uh, qualification of the things, the nots, and then the, thing, the positive considered are the things that are. All right. So the negative qualifications for prayer, negatively considered, negatively considered regarding iniquity. And this is where we're at here in Psalm 66. Psalm 66 and verse number 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not, there's the word, that negatively considered, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me, he hath attended to the voice of my prayer. So dealing with verse number 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So uh, negatively considered, so as he puts it here, regarding iniquity in the heart, a disqualification for prayer. Uh, the word as translated regard is the same as translated behold in Habakkuk 1.13. We'll go there in a second. It means to look upon with favor. God demands that we take the same attitude towards sin that he himself takes, which is one of hatred and abhorrence. If we take a favorable attitude towards sin, God of necessity must take an unfavorable attitude towards us. So let's go to Habakkuk one. Habakkuk, that's one of them hard ones to find. <laughs> one of them minor prophets. There it is. Habakkuk 1, page 955 in your Schofield Bible. Habakkuk 1, verse number 13. <laughs> Helps all your Schofield Bibles. Um, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. And canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? That's a question, by the way. I didn't read it, it was a question, but it is a question there. So, wherefore, there's the, where, there's the question. Wherefore, uh, where's that? Yeah, wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? So the qualifications of prayer regarding iniquity in the heart. And so when, as he put it here, 
If we take a favorable attitude towards sin, um, then God of necessity must make, take an unfavorable attitude toward us. We have to be on the same, the same uh, attitude as God towards sin. And so if we will hold iniquity in our hearts, then he is not going to hear us. Like if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. All right, so secondly, refusal to heed God's word is a disqualification for prayer. Refusal to heed God's word is a disqualification for prayer. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. And verse number 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Yeah, be abomination. So he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. And it says, see further. Well, while we're in Proverbs, let's go ahead and grab Proverbs 1. And of course, we were there week before last, and I mentioned with some there in last week, Sunday night. Proverbs 1. Bible turn right there we go Proverbs 1 there's three verses here 24 25 and 28 because I have called and ye refused I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded but ye have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof let's just go keep reading as I'm sure it keeps going here because uh, it's one big long sentence uh, I also will laugh at your calamity I will mock when you fear when your fear cometh when your fear cometh as desolation and your, dis and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, or cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they will not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the, uh, the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. Uh, they, would, they despise all my reproof. So again, refusal to heed God's word as a disqualification for prayer. And then it says, also see further, Zechariah, since we were already there, and then I went there first, but Zechariah uh, chapter 7, 11 through 13. Let's see here. Since it starts with a but in 11, let's back up to 8. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassions every one to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken, and pulled away the shoulder, and stopped their ears that they would not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an, an adamant stone, let, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it is come to pass that as, they, as he cried, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations whom they knew not, Thus the land was desolate after them, that no man passed through nor returned, for, the, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. 
Actually, I'm going to use that if I can remember it as a reference on Sunday. All right, so uh, thank you, Lord, for that. And uh, so, um, so anyway, there's that. So refusal to heed God's word is a disqualification for prayer. Those who will not give heed to God's word, which he has spoken, will not be heard when they speak. All right, we see that there. Thirdly, disregarding the cry of the needy is a disqualification of prayer. We kind of seen that right there about they refused to hearken, they turned their sho- they pulled away their shoulder. So we kind of seen that uh, based on what they had just said. They oppressed not the oppressed not the widow nor the fatherless nor the stranger. So uh, so let's see those who yeah right and then Proverbs twenty one thirteen that's where it goes to here. Proverbs twenty one again though disregarding the cry of the needy is a disqualification of prayer. Proverbs. Let's see, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. 21. And verse number 13. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Easy enough. Pretty, pretty straightforward there. James 2. Just there. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? And in 1 John 3, sixteen through 18, 1 John 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. All right. So there's the negatively considered. Here's the three points again regarding iniquity in the heart, a disqualification for prayer, refusal to heed God's word, a disqualification for prayer, and disregarding the cry of, uh, of the needy, a disqualification of, for prayer. So those who refuse, I don't said that. So those who refuse to hear the cry of those in need will also be refused when they cry to God in the time of their need. Positively considered. All right, that was the negative. Now here's the positively considered. Positively considered what? The qualifications of prayer. True penit, uh, penitence. True penitence. John, Luke. Luke chapter. Uh, absolutely. Luke 18. Qualifications for prayer, positively considered, true penitence. Luke 18, verses 13 and 14. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified 
rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Acts chapter 11. Thirteen and fourteen, Acts eleven thirteen. Let's back up to twelve. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose servant name is Peter who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Talking about true penitence. And then Acts chapter 10, 24, 30 through 32. So 24, let's see. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. That's 24, and then 30 through 32. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee." Now, why he put them these verses before these verses, I don't know. But that's the the so true penitence. He was a so Cornelius was a worshiping man, <laughs> um, but he didn't know the Lord. And uh, but his prayer, positively considered, was one of true penitence, as it's, as just like the publican there in Luke eighteen, a penitent sinner who holds himself in readiness to turn in repentance from sin and in faith to Christ when he knows the way, can pray so that his prayer will be heard. An impenitent sinner never prays. Impenitence involves not one of the elements of a spirit of prayer, holy desire, holy love, holy fear, holy trust. Not one of these can the sinner find within himself. He has, therefore, none of that artless spontaneity. Spontaneity, yeah, that's it, spontaneity, artless spontaneity in calling upon God, which David exhibited when he said, Thy servant hath found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. The whole atmosphere of prayer, therefore, is foreign to his taste if he drives himself unto it for a time by forcing upon his soul the forms of devotion. He cannot stay there. So what... what Mr. Bancroft's trying to point out with Cornelius is that a, a penitent sinner, Cornelius, who was a lost man, he had to wait for Peter to come and tell him the gospel message. But God heard his prayer because he was seeking. He was, he was seeking in penitence. All right? And mo, you know, like he said here, the most sinners... The impenitent sinner never prays. Uh, impenitence involves not one of the elements of the spirit of prayer. All right, so uh, I've heard of 
you know, folks with a true desire, mission field, mission field stories, true desire, you know, have a, have a, a desire uh, to, to learn, to know the one true God, and then, you know, pray to that end as a sinner, and then God send them the witness, whether, you know, missionary or sent them to a missionary, one of the two works it out, where they hear, like Cornelius did, the gospel message, and then comes to Christ. All right, let's see here. So, positively consider true penitence. And then secondly, faith in Christ. 1 John 5. This is, again, prayer, the qualifications for prayer, positively considered, the true penitence, and then secondly, faith in Christ. 1 John 5. 13 through 15. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Faith in Christ. So again, I mean, I've, I've got that we may know that we have eternal life, underlined, and then ye may believe on the name of the Son of God, and if we have I've got confidence circled, if we have that confidence, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, key words there, he heareth us. If we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we desired of him. And again, going back to John's gospel, and again, I, I, I'm just simple enough to just to believe it <laughs> as it's written. In John, thir uh, John 14, 13, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye will, shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. So commandments are, are there. We've kind of seen that. But, but both 1 John 5 and John 14, I mean, yes, I mean, it is according to his will. It's not according, and it's not to consume it upon our lust like we learned about it in James. But like I said, there's so much that we, that I think that we, so much farther, there we go, we can be in our prayer life if we really are able to obtain a true hold on these verses. That confidence, like I said, that's where I have that uh, circled, you know, because I think it's something that, that I'm learning, you know, more and more and hopefully to learn even more. Uh, that we can have that confidence, and that kind of goes along with Sunday morning's message as well. Thank you, Lord. Anyway, so I'm uh, how it come about. The Lord's been dealing with me a little bit about that today, uh, throughout the day. So, all right. So, positively consider. We done said the faith in Christ. Hebrews 11 and verse six, very familiar passage, verse of scripture. Hebrews 11 and there we go. Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, we're talking about faith in Christ. So this is this is goes back to qualifications for prayer. 
So faith, our faith. Without faith, by, yeah, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith is the inevitable and essential, this is Mr. Hastings, whoever he is, says this. Faith is the inevitable and essential accompaniment of all true prayer. Our faith accepts the assurance that prayer will be heard and answered and pleads the fulfillment of divine revelation. And apart from our belief in God as the hearer of prayer, there could not be any real prayer or genuine blessing. All right, righteousness, thirdly. So positively considered, this is the, uh, again, the qualifications for prayer, positively considered, true penitence, faith in Christ. And thirdly, righteousness and godliness, Psalm 34. Righteousness and godliness, Psalm 34. Verse number 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. See further, Psalm 32. Verse number 6, for this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee, for, yeah, for this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. So the godly and the righteous, as it puts it in these two verses here. See further, Psalm 1. Proverbs 15, verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. And then back way over here to Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews 12. Verses 28 and 29. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And in 1 Peter 3, verse number 12. 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And it kind of goes back to that negatively considered, all right? So, those who are righteous and godly in their lives can offer effectual prayer. The effectual prayers of a righteous, the, you know, the, hang on a minute. Hang on, what's the word? Fervent. Woo! The fervent. <laughs> yeah, prayers of a righteous man availeth much. But I, I, uh, praying with, uh, without effect or praying to the, the effect that I, I've mentioned in the past. There we go. Let me just turn there and confess his seat. Right. Yeah, the effectual fervent prayer. That's it. 
I forgot the word fervent, after effectual, of a righteous man availeth much. And so praying effectually, but uh, it goes, it is tied to that righteousness and that righteous man. All right, so we should pray for one another. Believers should pray for fellow believers. All right, how did I get to there? All right, I don't know where I got to there. Righteous, I got, I turned the page. Sorry for getting me that. All right, so we're going to get these few more here, and we'll be done. So this is number three, righteousness and godliness. This is positively considered on the qualifications of prayer. Obedience, obedience. First John, right there, First John 3, 22. First John 3, obedience. First John 3, verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. So we're not only hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word. And it says there, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Obedience does not furnish the ground upon which God answers our prayer, but it does fulfill a required condition. Abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ. John chapter 15. John 15 and verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask. We're talking about praying here tonight. Ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Abiding in in Christ, all right? So let's go ahead and grab Psalm 91 because there's three verses here that goes along with that. See further, abiding in Christ, Psalm 91. It says verses 1, 14, and 15. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. So abiding in Christ. Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, which is Christ, who abide in Christ have and have Christ's word abiding in them can pray acceptably to God. We got three, uh, two more here. Humility, two more. Humility. Psalm ten, Psalm ten. Psalm ten, verse number seventeen. Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou hast prepared. I'm sorry. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou thou wilt cause thine eye to hear. Let's go ahead and grab the sentence to judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. So the Lord, and Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble, thou wilt prepare their heart, thou wilt cause thine eye to hear. So humility, see further, Psalm 9. And, well, Psalm 9, verse 12. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. And then Zephaniah, those are a little bit easier to find.
Zephaniah 2, verse number 3. Let's see here. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. The figures, this is Mr. Hastings again, the figures of the poor whose cry is not forgotten of the meek, whose desire is heard of the humble, to whom grace is given, meet us constantly in psalm and prophecy and epistle. True humility, he doesn't say, that's, he's done. True humility, this is Bancroft, true humility or lowliness of heart qualifies one for effectual prayer. Again, you can't go to Father right now, it's too proud. Father, right now I command you, no, 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 no. Father, I humbly pray. Father, I bow before you. And, the, and just the bowing itself is an act of humility. And so, and not only bowing necessarily with your physical body, but bowing in your heart and your attitude. There's that humility that, uh, that you know, when you approach him. You know, again, I think of, and we, we dealt with it a little bit uh, when... Um, absolutely. When Ruth presented herself, asked Mordecai to pray, and she was going to pray, have her maidens to pray, because if she showed up and he didn't accept her, she could die. Esther. I get them all mixed up. Esther, that's right. Esther. Give my willie. Esther, when she showed up, but she, she went and she prayed and she dolled herself up and just got her all. She, she, she prepared herself to be presented to the king. She didn't just go rushing in. And then she waited for that extended scepter. And, and you know, again, and then, you know, humbly entreated him. You know, and, and he asked, what is your desire? And then she told him, I'd like to make you a meal. And invite Naaman. And so if we just use how she approached him as an example as we approach the throne of God in our prayers with an humble attitude, not just rushing in and demanding, <laughs> being thankful that Thanksgiving is in there as well along with our prayers and supplications. With thanksgiving. You know, she could be praying, I mean, she could be thankful a whole lot. You know, I know it was kind of interesting how it all come about that she, you know, she was, you know, all these other women in the kingdom was brought, these virgins in the kingdom was brought before him, and they all, you know, had to be prepared and all come before him, and she found pleasure in his eyes. And all that with Vashti, I get that. It's a little odd, but nonetheless, for such a time as this, it was to the saving of her people. You know, and she could be thankful for where, if you want to put it this way, the king in application had brought her from. So she could have went before him before, I mean, it doesn't record the Thanksgiving before she made the request, but if we will humble ourselves before the king with thanksgiving before we pray and supplicate, then that's the attitude to have. Humility. And then finally, joyful trust. Joyful 
trust. Again, this is being under the qualifications for prayer, positively considered, joyful trust. Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Joyful trust. So we already have that faith, so there's, there is the trust part. Let's look at the joyful part about that trust. Psalm 37, 4 and 5, very familiar. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto him, I'm sorry, unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm 37, 4 and 5. Let's read them again. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And so, just a, a little, uh, there's just some great words there in this first part there. Fret, not, trust, delight, commit, trust, rest, wait. That's a hard one. <laughs> fret not, <laughs> cease, forsake, and fret not. Hmm, don't worry. Be, I don't, know. don't worry. Fret not, commit, delight, trust. There's all in there. That's a whole other message. But joyful trust. So God finds delight in those who find delight in Him. Thus, He desires of uh, thus the desires of their hearts become the desires of His heart. He will then bring to pass the answer of their prayers. So the doctrinal statement in this section is: prevailing prayer involves certain requirements which we must meet, or which must be met. So prevailing prayer. So there's the negatively considered, positively considered. Again, negatively considered, here's, here's what it is. Regarding the iniquity of the heart, disqualification for prayer. A disqualification for prayer. Refusal to heed God's word, a disqualification for prayer. Disregarding the cry of the needy, a disqualification for prayer. Positively considered, true penitence, faith in Christ, righteousness and godliness, obedience, abiding in Christ, humility, joyful trust, and joyful trust. And there's tonight. And then next, the number three under this outline is the persons addressed in the uh, qualifications of prayer. The persons, God, uh, and then under that, God the Father, God the Son, and we deal with that. And then the next, the next number is the subjects of prayer. The subjects of the qualifications of prayer, ourselves and fellow Christians, Christian workers, young converts, the sick, Children, rulers, Israel, so all the people that we're supposed to pray for, all men. And that's who we'll probably deal with next week. So the persons and then the subjects of prayer, of where we deal with, uh, Lord willing, on next Wednesday. All right, so we will be dismissed in a word of prayer. A reminder, Sunday is third, uh, second Sunday, right? Third Sunday. Man, already? Third Sunday, wow. So that's a meal, third Sunday, all right. Uh, and then the fourth Sunday, we're going to have a meal with, with the missionary uh, coming, uh, be with us here. So third Sunday, uh, wow. Then we're going to have our Sunday night uh, conference uh, uh, on Sunday night. So make preparations along those lines. And then just pray for, uh, pray for Sunday services, pray for the, the Sunday school teachers. Oh, yeah, speaking of Sunday school teachers, uh, the Huffins wasn't here Sunday night. I made mention was going to do it Sunday night, but so apparently in Lisa's Sunday morning class, and 
when they was going over the fruit of the Spirit, the, you know, they learned that verse, and it was brought up, hey, we never did say that out there in the auditorium, so we will plan on saying that on this Sunday. And uh, Lisa was, was very uh, pleased that they, they retained that, uh, that verse and was able to quote it there in the class, so we'll have them quote it out here in front of the congregation on Sunday. And uh, we'll do that Sunday morning, Lord willing. I'm going to have all, all the young ones here. And uh, so pray for Sunday services. Pray invite someone, uh, if you can, to come. And then uh, just pray that uh, those that, uh, Julian and some of those others, will come back. Um, Tristan and uh, what was the other one? Allison, Tristan and Allison that was here. And others will come in. And the Lord will meet with us in a, in a mighty, mighty way. All right? So let's be dismissed.